This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. We're always talking about the heart of God, which is Jesus Christ and His desire to redeem humanity to himself through Jesus Christ. But this, uh, over the course of next year, we're going to focus on Jesus' teachings and how his teachings affect us. And if you would, please open your Bible to Matthew uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 17. Uh, You saw the video on baptism. And I don't know if you've been baptized here at this church or not, but you have to understand the context of baptism is not unique to Jesus Christ. The practice itself was something that happened throughout the, the history of the Jewish church. Uh, the Jewish people, but not only just the Jewish people, think about this. Baptism is something that started way before Abraham. Actually, we would say a man named Noah. Remember, Noah was, in a sense, baptized, in a sense, being in the ark. And because he was in the ark, he was saved from the cleansing that was, that was going on in the rest of the planet. Um, we're going to talk about some of that symbolism today. We're going to get a little deep in some things and, not so, and hopefully not other things. But my hope is today we understand the heart of Jesus' teaching here is obedience. Jesus said, the Lord said, it's better to obey than is a sacrifice. Ultimately, people have challenges when it comes to obedience because some people have a misconception that, oh, I'm not to be obedient to God because that's work. Meaning that's work. That's how I earn my righteousness. And, and that's not what Jesus is communicating at all. Based upon our relationship with God, we are called to obey. If you are saved, you've been given a new heart so that you can obey. Now, when is it in any context or area of your life that you don't have to obey someone in authority? If we talk about the Vikings, uh, it's not possible for Sam Bradford to be out there and call his own plays every single time the way he wants. If he did that, he would be in disobedience to the offensive coordinator who's also in obedience to the coach. Obedience is essential when you're trying to complete a task amongst a group of people. There has to be a leader. Our leader is Jesus Christ and him alone. Now, I'm not telling you you need to work in order to gain your righteousness or even being obedient makes you righteous. What I'm trying to say is when you obey God, it is the evidence that you're in right standing with God. But something peculiar happened after Jesus Christ, in a sense, was born and came into ministry. This weird scene happened here that we're going to kind of break down. Remember, the Jews, when Jesus Christ was around, they had this notion that when the Messiah came, he would be a warlord king. Jesus Christ was anything but a warlord king. Matter of fact, he was antithetical. He was probably the exact opposite than a warlord king. You think about Jesus Christ's lineage. Think about his background. The people who are in his background, he had a prostitute. He was a descendant of a king who had a blood curse. I mean, nothing about Jesus Christ. He had, a, he had people from other nationalities in his background lineage. And when you think about it, there is nothing appealing about Jesus Christ's genealogy or family tree that another Jewish person would say, oh, that's definitely the Messiah. Think a little bit more. When Jesus Christ came, he was in Nazareth. And remember when Philip and Thang had that conversation, they said, does anything good come from Nazareth? Nazareth's like the hood. Worse than the hood. Hang with me here. 
Think about Jesus' background. He's from the hood. He has a sketchy past. And then there's this little rumor that's going around. What? That, you know what? Jesus' mom, just being honest, Jesus' mom was, you know, she was with somebody before she was with her husband. Like all these things Jesus had to confront. He's the Messiah. And all these factors will influence people from trusting him. But then God does something, in my opinion, that probably made matters completely worse. What? Jesus is told to come and get baptized by John. Remember John's baptism of repentance? <laughs> Remember? John was doing a baptism of repentance. And when you came to John, who was, by the way, the most effective um, prophet of all time, he actually had more, in a sense, people saved than any other prophet in history. Jesus comes to this man. And gets baptized by John. Now imagine you're just an average guy. You're seeing Jesus come and you get baptized by John. You're like, oh, of course. You know, because he's shady anyway. <laughs> right? Like, look at his background, man. Look at the rumors. He's from Nazareth. Like, this dude, obviously, he needs to get baptized. Why would God put Jesus in that position? I mean, if I were talking to God about sending the Messiah, I would have had Jesus come and be the son of the, the high priest, right? And I would have had Jesus born. He would have been six foot seven, 301 pounds of muscle, right? And he would have come and he would be speaking all these languages. And he'd have like, what color eyes? Like purple, <laughs> right? That's, I mean, if I'm going to send him, if I want like somebody to like look at this man and say, oh, that's the Messiah, man, I make him perfect. But Jesus was anything but that. And then God tells him to get baptized. Now, what are you trying to do, Lord? He's already fighting these rumors. He's already fighting gossip. He's already fighting negative press. And it's like the Lord is almost making it worse. Let's jump in the Bible. Got this quote. It says, baptism is not only a sacrament of our union with Christ, it is also a sacrament of our communion as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, God, I ask you to help me today to speak clearly your word. I pray, Father, God, we hear it and magnify your name. Amen. Now, if you jump into chapter 3, we, we also have to understand the context. Context is always important when you go into the Bible. Remember, the book of Matthew was written to Jewish people. Now, Matthew, we mo most scholars believe that he was, uh, had the capacity to write shorthand because he has the most information of anybody, of all the Gospels. He wrote more stuff than anybody. So they said, this guy has some gifts. So Matthew catches almost all of Jesus' major sermons. Matthew, this guy was smart because whenever he was writing his gospel at the first part, he actually did something very unique. He compared to the Jewish mind the ministry of the Old Testament to the ministry of Christ. And he subtly did it in such a way that if you're a Jewish person reading it, you would kind of catch the symbolism that Matthew was conveying. Think about this. Remember, the Jews were delivered from Egyptian bondage. Well, think about in the Bible... Jesus was called out of what? Egypt. He was told to go to Egypt. Joseph was told to go to Egypt because he was about to be killed. So Jesus came out of Egypt just like the Jewish nation came out of Egypt. Here we're going to talk about Jesus being baptized, right? He, he went in the water. Well, the Jewish nation were baptized when he went through the 
let's, let's see the Red Sea. Then the Jewish nation walks around the desert for 40 years. Well, Jesus was in the desert how 40 days. And lastly, when, when the Old Testament was, well, the Ten Commandments were conveyed, they were given on top of Mount Sinai. Well, Jesus went on top of a mountain and gave people the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. So if I'm a Jewish person reading about the life of Jesus, I'm starting to understand, wait a minute, there's more happening here than just this guy who had this bad, shitty background who died on the cross. Maybe, maybe God was doing more than I thought. God is not superficial, but he's very clear when he communicates. Chapter 13, uh, verse 13 reads, And then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Now, understand this is a question mark. You're like, why would Jesus go to John? Particularly for the baptism of repentance. He goes on to 14 and says, and John tried to, to prevent him. John's like, this ain't right. <laughs> what in the world am I baptizing you? John knows he's the Messiah. So John's trying to stop this. Even more so, this is what John says. He said, I need to be baptized by you. But you're coming to me. See, John is even confused. Jesus said John was the greatest man born of a woman. And this guy is off theologically. He's confused. He doesn't know why Jesus Christ came to him to be baptized when John's baptism a baptism of repentance. So nevertheless, Jesus uses this contrast, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. It says, then he allowed him. Understand, Jesus is trying to reveal to all of Israel that he's the Messiah. And he's being asked to do something that for all intents and purposes will hinder people even coming to the conclusion that he is the Messiah. But he's asked to obey God. And that's what God is looking for. Have you ever been there when you know God told you something? I'm not going to point at myself. When God told you something to do, right? I'm pointing at me. So I do it. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes I do what God says, and then sometimes, you know, I just don't. I'm not pointing at you, but it's me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I hate when I do that. This isn't a matter of the law. This is relationship. Why is it that we don't obey God? Why is it that we think it's an option? Remember, God said these words. He said, if you love me, then you what? Obey my commandments. Obedience is a part of our relationship with God. I know we're Americans. We don't like people telling us what to do. We got Rambo, for goodness sake. You all might be too old of a reference. Hunger Games, right? No? Well, anyway. We like to be in charge of our own destiny. We're the captain of our own boat. But God says when you come to him, he wants you to worship him. And worshiping God is bowing your will to his will. And when you bow your will to God's will, by default, you're going to obey him. Obedience is part of this package. It's not your will that's going to win people to God. It's not your will that's going to accomplish God's kingdom expanding. It's God's will. Remember, there's a scripture one day we'll get to it. 
where it says, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, do we not do all these great things, your name? We were, did we do all these great things for you? And he'll say, I didn't even know you. And most people are like, well, why would God be telling these people who didn't know him? He said, because they were doing stuff in his name. The people who made it in were the ones who obeyed his words. Scholars argue, well, they weren't even saved anyway. That's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make this point. Obedience is paramount in your relationship to God. That's what I'm trying to say. We don't have an option. Now, you can disobey like you can reject Christ. You can do whatever you want. But there are consequences to every choice we make, good and bad. Don't you know there's consequences to sin? There is. God forgives our sin, absolutely. But remember in King David... Sin with Bathsheba, and they had the baby, the baby died. He was forgiven, but the baby still died. If I go out and steal whoever won that lottery, I steal the ticket for myself and cash it in, and I get all this money, and I'm rich, man, I'm lying, and then it gets found out. And I say, God, forgive me for my sin. He's like, I forgive you. I'll still go to jail. There's still consequences for our misbehavior. There's consequences when you don't obey God. This is what happened. Jesus, bad background, bad family name. He's from the hood, the lower class, uneducated. He doesn't even look that good. He's not attractive. All these things are so negative. But then God does something unique here. One of the most unique scriptures in all the Bible happens in this part right here. In verse 16, it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And now it says, wow. Remember I said, and you see this, this, the word says, and behold, that's always, and wow. And wow. The heavens were opened to him. A literal term. The heavens were literally opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. It didn't say a dove coming down, does it? It's a simile. It's like a dove. So it's not saying a dove comes down. It's not saying the Holy Spirit is a dove. It's saying it descended just like a dove would fly. The Holy Spirit is coming down. And suddenly a voice from heaven came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I remember my grandfather, when I was young, he asked this question, hey, my nickname was Yuck Yuck, so just, just bear with me. He always said, Yuck, Yuck, Yuck. When's the only time in the Bible where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are together? And he always referenced this scripture right here. The Spirit, the Father, and the Son. But this was revealed after what? Jesus was obedient to God. And when Jesus obeyed him, this is the words that they heard. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was a risk for Jesus to get baptized, particularly for repentance. And you want people to think you're the Messiah? But because of his obedience, God honored him, glorified him, and made it crystal clear that this guy is his son, Jesus. Now, what's unique here is that there are other people that are hearing this message. John the Baptist had droves of people coming to him, consistently being baptized. 
This wasn't done in some corner, some dark alley. This was done in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And they hear this voice from the Father. This is my son. But Jesus had to obey God, even though it could have cost him everything. I wonder how many people saw this baptism and were like, how is this guy the Messiah? I saw him getting baptized for repentance, confessing his sins, you know, making stuff up. No. Jesus obeyed the Father, and because of his obedience, God is showing us that he's pleased. Got a couple of points, and we'll be done for the day. First point, Jesus' baptism was not of an intrinsic need, but he had, but he was baptized because he is setting a symbolic precedence for his disciples to follow. Now, here at Endurance Church, we do baptisms. This year, we were going to do it at the Memorial's house, but we didn't. But the two years previous to this, we actually had baptism at a park. And we had baptism. We were getting baptized. Who here got baptized at that park? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you. I see the head. And when you got baptized, there were people who were watching you, weren't they? They were looking at you like, what in the world? Right? They were like, what is going on over there, those crazy Christians? Right? That, that's what this is supposed to mean. You, you are openly confessing that I'm attached to Jesus. The Messiah who had the bad background from the hood. And you're identifying with his death even. People are like, you crazy Christians. But this image is burned into their brain. They might not know your name, but they remember, man, that was weird when they went down to the water. What was happening? Symbolism is essential in the scriptures. It's even relevant today. You are obviously brighter than I am, but it took me a while to get this point. I watched this movie called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I watched it when I was, well, I didn't, I read it when I was young, right? It was not until I was 30 plus years old, maybe 38, I'm just, just who knows, it doesn't matter, it's just 30, that I realized who Aslan really was supposed to be. <laughs> I put it out there, I'm watching it, I'm like, wait a minute, this is familiar. I'm 30, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I'm like, wait a minute, this, I know, and my heart's being like, I got it. God's probably like, good Lord. <laughs> he probably told the angel, he need a little bit more help than the rest of them. But the symbolism eventually clicked in, and I got it. And that's what this baptism is supposed to mean. Don't you know all of humanity will be resurrected? Oh, the you are. But only a select few will be resurrected clean. You get that? You know, water is supposed to be a purifying agent. Don't you understand all humanity will be resurrected? Some will be stand in the judgment. Some will be in God's presence forever. Some will be resurrected to eternal life. Some will be resurrected to eternal hell. But only those who have put their trust and confidence in Jesus Christ will be made new, will be washed, will be clean, and will be able to stand in the presence of God for all eternity. When we get baptized, it's symbolic of our identification with Jesus Christ. And because he lives now, we too will live forevermore. Understand that God requires followers of Christ to partake 
in this symbolic experience. Now, I'm still wrestling with whether we should do baptism at the memorial because I love their house. I love their pool. I want to jump in. I haven't been there yet, but one day I'll be in the pool. But nevertheless, I understand the biblical significance of getting baptized in public. <laughs> we're, we're teaching the gospel to everybody every time we go to the park and get baptized in the water. I kind of envy churches that are near the beach. My goodness, they can make have an excuse. Let's go to the beach, right? Really, I mean... <laughs> They want, to get, they want to go to the beach. But nevertheless, still people are seeing them get baptized and coming out of the water and they're asking questions. And the symbolism there is being sprinkled on their conscience. They realize, wait a minute, what are they doing? And then once the question comes out, they begin to seek. Hopefully they find God. Next point, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you need to be baptized. What's the point of Baptism. For the believer, not just some symbolism for the world, but for you, it's the first step of obedience. Obey him. Imagine, Jesus said, hey, go be baptized. You're like, well, I don't need to be baptized. You're like, what? Did you even really get saved? I mean, you can't even obey the first thing he tells you to do. Imagine I get married to my wife, and we're going, uh, you know, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go in another direction. Imagine, I just get married to a wife, right? I'm thinking, yeah, I got the fine wife. She's all fine. I love her. She's all mine. And then she's like, no, no, no. I don't want to be with you intimately. Let's, let's wait another year. Yes, my heart is crushed. I'm crying. I'm going to pray and fast at that moment. I'm thinking, this is the part, like, what happened? Like, are, we're supposed to be one in flesh. I'm struggling, y'all. I'll, I'll keep talking about it. I'm not afraid to talk about sex. I'm just saying, that's real. Imagine you make a covenant with somebody, and they automatically, from the very beginning, say, I'm not going to honor it. Jesus said, hey, we're, in, we're one now. Get baptized. Now, What's even more interesting in, in times past, when you got baptized publicly, it was almost a death sentence. Because when people saw you getting baptized, they realized what? Oh, that's a Christian. We got him. We're not, we're not at risk now like that. But then they were at risk, but they were still willing to be baptized, even if it cost them everything. Next point. Do it because you need to perform the requirements of right standing with God. Remember, this is not about being made righteous. You are already righteous if you place your trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. But the fact that you're able to obey is the evidence that you're right with God. I love my spouse. I love my wife. But there are times we have disagreements. We're, we're together. And then we fuss at each other. Sometimes it lasts a day, sometimes it lasts an hour, sometimes it lasts, how long has it been, a year? Now, we're together, but we're just out of fellowship. You have to obey so that you remain in fellowship with God. Baptism has been a symbol of salvation from the beginning. This is not new. You go back to Noah, the, earth, the whole earth being flooded. Go back to Israel being delivered through the Red Sea. Go back to Joshua taking them through what? The River Jordan. Baptism or being cleansed 
by water is not new, but it has always been a symbol of something greater. Last point, and we're done for the day. Remember, if Jesus can do it, so can you. Jesus got baptized, and he, he, he risked his street cred. I don't, I don't get it personally. Think about the temptation that Jesus had to overcome whenever he was with Satan in the desert. It was kind of like, look, the last one, look, if you worship me, I'll give you these kingdoms. Like, take a shortcut. Jesus like, no, 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 I'll worship the Lord thy God and worship him alone. There were no shortcuts for Christ. He knew his life went through the cross. From the time he was able to dis- discern right and wrong as a young boy, he knew his life was not his own. And when you're asked to get baptized, it's just a little test. Are you willing to obey God? Are you willing to honor him? It's a humbling step to be baptized. I remember when I was baptized, and I didn't have the luxury of being baptized in a lake or a beach. I had to do it in a church. The pastor came down. They opened the doors behind the pew, and they asked me if I believed in Jesus. And I was like, I do. And I had family there. It was so embarrassing. And the pastor, I think I was at that time a little bigger than he was. I just hit my growth spurt. He put me in the water, and he couldn't lift me up by himself. So I had to have some strength to help with my abs. I had to engage and come up out of that water by myself. I was telling my mom, Mom, I was like, I thought I was going to die, right? I mean, I thought I was going to die. She said, yeah, ooh, we got to pray. Maybe the devil was trying to get you. <laughs> no, can't <give> pray. <laughs> but obey him. He deserves that, doesn't he? You see us wrestling around with Titus and Maximus. Don't do that. Sit down. Be quiet, boy. Shh. And they just, ah. As they grow mature, they learn how to be instantly obedient without even knowing why. Because when we say sometimes, because I said so, you know, that doesn't give them the right, you know. But sometimes you get that from God because I said so. But you can trust and know that He has your best interest in mind. The more you humble yourself to God, the better father, mother you'll be. The more you humble yourself to God, the better spouse you'll be. You can't let pride hinder you from everything God wants for you. It's on the other side of obedience. Can we pray? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for baptism. Thank you for your church, Lord. Despite my inability to communicate effectively, Lord God, I pray you spoke to our hearts. And I ask you, Father God, that if you challenge us, Lord God, we don't wilt from the challenge, but we rise up. Or, Lord God, we bow down. Help us this day to do your will so that you get glory out of all our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, just head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.
justify